Hello everyone, we're back. <laughs> Welcome to episode 218 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we still have the full crew here this week. Richard, uh, you haven't left in the last 30 seconds since we started this episode, right? No, I haven't, and my <laughs> title now is I once beat a, a top eight competitor from the Mythic Invitational in Crim. Like I took a game <laughs> off him one time at FNM somewhere. Uh, check out my check out my wizard's record. I'm sure it's listed somewhere in there. But yes, that is my claim to fame. He beat Manguchi, so I might as well just be the Mythic Invitational champion. Yeah, you're like the number one player in the world yep. now, I think, if if we go that direction. Yes, and, that's Andrea exactly was just carrying the trophy for you. Yeah, he's just carrying it back home for me. I, I felt, you know, he should just carry it and get his moment in the spotlight. <laughs> Uh, and as you probably heard chiming in, Krim is also here, of course. What's up, Krim? Still here. How you doing? I'm excited. Uh, yeah. So, uh, since we were going super long this week, we decided to split it up two episodes. Episode one, if you haven't heard it, 217, about the Mythic Invitational. Episode two for this week, episode 218, uh, War of the Spark. We're going to be talking War of the Spark trailer in a bunch of preview cards and we're gonna do uh we're gonna jump right into it after a super quick reminder that our sponsor today is spikes academy and uh, they are the world's first magic the gathering e-learning academy having really cool courses by really great players pvddr seth manfield reed duke tons of great players over there so you can check them out over at spikesacademy.com you can even get 10 percent off with the code goldfish and to learn more check out spikes underscore academy on twitter so thank you to them for their support and with that out of the way mythic invitational out of the way let's talk about the newest magic set war of the spark so before we talk cards we got to talk about the trailer over the weekend at the mythic invitational uh, they released the war of the spark full trailer and it was insane uh, speak we said in the last podcast uh, that i didn't know that wizards had it in them to pull off an event like that I also didn't know that Wizards had it in them to pull off a trailer like this. This trailer was absolutely insanely good. So, uh, Richard, in case people haven't seen the trailer yet, uh, why don't you walk people through a little bit what is what? actually going on? You're putting on me on the, the spot, video. Seth. I'm totally not prepared for this. Uh, <laughs> actually, so actually, think I wonder. Lincoln Park. Actually, hang on. <laughs> new, new plan. Editor, why don't you just insert, well, we, <laughs> insert wait, no, no. the trailer? We can't do that. We're going to get like a copyright strike. <laughs> oh, okay, so, okay. So, never mind. Seth trying to get us so, in trouble. <laughs> so we have a, a Linkin Park cover going on. We have like slow mo, backwards time, like Liliana, and then Bolus over this portal. Zombies, Gideon getting like crushed by zombies. It's just epic. I don't know. I can't describe it. Just watch it. People were crying. Uh, I was, it's very emotional. It's fully animated. So a lot of the times, the old Watsy videos, they kind of just take the card art and then do some weird effects so like the arms wiggle. But this was like, you know, fully animated. And it was hype. There's like 5 million views on this YouTube video. And people are coming in. They're like, I don't know what's going on. But like Glowy Lady is fighting some dragon and zombies and backwards time. Like it it is amazing and I have no idea why the MTG movie was canned but this should bring us hope that it will come back because the reception to this trailer was phenomenal and can you imagine just like two hours of this in a fully featured movie like that would be insane I couldn't and that's why it's amazing like it like watching like the watching a two-hour version of this that would be like mind-blowing to me because I would love to watch that magic movie oh like that the the music was perfect. 
How did you know? Like, I, I, I was like fighting back the tears watching it at PAX East. Like, well, at home, <laughs> it played on silent, oh. so we couldn't actually, oh, actually hear the music. They, they screwed but. up the stream. <laughs> So uh, the first time they played it on stream, it was all muted, but you could dig up the YouTube version, which uh, Seth and I did, and we actually watched it in its full glory. <laughs> but uh, the first time they played it, they kind of botched it. But uh. <laughs> so if so, if all you saw was the stream version, it's definitely worth looking up on yeah. YouTube. It is much better with the with the music. The music hundred percent makes version. it. That really makes the whole the whole video. I think is the music really. Yeah, and and then like I I love the symbolism in like am I should I even like talk about what happens in the trailer or is that too spoilery? You can talk about what happened. Yeah, it's a trailer. I think that's fine. Okay, like the the scene where you see like the like where. Lily kind of looks at what seems to be like a way, like to kind of represents like what, I don't know, her and her brother. Yeah. Like, I, I thought that was beautiful. I thought that was beautiful. I thought, I mean, poor Dak Faden too, but like, like <laughs> <laughs> he, I'm tired of him stealing my soul ring anyways. So, uh, <laughs> no, but like legitimately, like all of that was just so epic. And then seeing Bolas like roar back at Lily and then watching her like, not feel so good and disintegrate <laughs> and like pretty much like watch watching like the contract get revoked and all of that like uh and then hearing lily yell like i don't know something about it it was just not much needed to be said like there didn't need to be a bunch of like dialogue but you felt it you just felt that trailer yeah it gives me so, hope that uh magic might be moving in the direction of marvel now, you know, if you're a young kid, you might think Marvel is like all those cool movies, which Seth had never seen. But Marvel <laughs> uh, was originally comics, right? And comics, uh, you know, had their heyday in the 60s or 80s or whatever. But by the time the 2000s rolled around, comics were basically dead, right? Like the market crash. No one cared about comics. Yep. To this Marvel day. Marvel was almost bankrupt. Yeah. Right. But Marvel like pulled a 180. They're like, look, we have all this IP. We have like decades of world building and story building. We'll just make movies and sell toys and things. And like, that's what they do now. Right. And kind of comic books is like the afterthought. Right. And I wonder if magic will eventually get to that state where, yes, Black Lotus will always be around. But most people will know about magic through the movies and the games and the toys and not the original, you know, cardboard pieces of paper we played when we were a kid. And uh, this movie is a step in that direction. Right. So that that was very exciting. As far as actual implications, a lot of people are speculating this means Liliana is going to die. Is that is that how you understand this trailer? Is this foreshadowing or actually showing Liliana dying and we're not going to have Liliana cards anymore or do you think that's uh reading a bit too much into the trailer I I think I think she there there she won't be normal Liliana anymore. I think something will happen to Liliana. Yeah, but she's going to kill her. She's like one of the like face characters, so she might die in the way like Elspeth dies or she might, you know, become corrupted like Yarrick or something, but I I doubt that she just gets removed from this altogether. Yeah, I, I don't see her leaving the story. Yeah, eh, it'll be interesting. Definitely, uh, it was great. It was a great trailer. It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And uh, yeah, I guess that means we should talk about some cards, unless we have more uh, spoiler or trailer thoughts. Mm, yeah, let's talk about cards. They're all going to die. Anyway, all right. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all going to die, I, oh, and then yeah. we're going to have an alternate timeline or something, and they'll all come back. Who knows? We, we, <laughs> we should say, uh, before moving on, the trailer 
it's over 5 million views, I think, on YouTube, and it was, like, number three on YouTube's trending list at one point a couple days ago after it first came out, so uh, that's actually pretty exciting and worth noting as well. I, I don't think that's ever happened with a Magic video before to yeah. be on trending. Magic's so. been in the news twice now in the last, like, day, right? Like, this this trailer and then the Mythic Invitational. Uh, it's crazy. But... Let's yeah, get and not down. even for like bad things. Yeah, not for bad things, for the good <laughs> things. <laughs> so let's get down to why we're here. Spoilers. Uh, a whole bunch of cards were released over the weekend and then uh, on, or on Sunday. And then on Monday, spoiler season started. And we're going fast and furious. The whole set will be released or will be spoiled and previewed, including all the commons. Uh, so not this big dump at the end by Watsi, but everything has been assigned to content creators and everything will be revealed. So let us start off with our, our, our heroine from the trailer, Liliana Dread Horde General, two black black, legendary planeswalker Liliana, six starting loyalty. She has a static ability. All planeswalkers in this set have a static ability now. Whenever a creature you control dies, draw a card. Simple. Uh, plus one, create a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token. Minus four, each player sacrifices two creatures. Minus six, each opponent chooses a permanent they control of each permanent type and sacrifices the rest. Yeah. Now I kind of hope she dies. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this card, this card's not, it's not horrible. Six mana is a lot though. Like, it's a little expensive for what you get out of it, I think. But the static ability part is really interesting. And I, in general, really love these Planeswalker designs because they actually feel fresh and new, which is something that isn't normal with Planeswalkers. I mean, we spent a lot of podcasts talking about, oh, Planeswalkers, they kind of have this, like, uh, formatting. They all kind of feel the same. You plus one to draw a card, plus two kill something, ultimate to win the game. But these Planeswalkers actually feel kind of fresh to me, in part because of that static ability, and part because uh, of the designs of the Lord or Rarity Planeswalkers that we'll get to. But I don't know. Do you think Liliana is actually playable in Standard? Yep. I think it's sweet. It's a sweet control finisher, too. I, I believe it or not. <laughs> uh, forget standard, guys. <laughs> oh, casual oh, Richard yeah. coming in here. That's an each player sacrifices two creature. This is a planeswalker that does not suck in multiplayer. Uh, you can bring this down and kill uh, six creatures with the minus four, uh, conveniently protecting herself. And uh, that minus nine is gross, and I hope you all experience it at the hands of my Liliana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that does sound like something you do with all your mass land destruction recently. Yeah, but, but standard <laughs> seems a bit slow. Crib, you were saying about standard? Uh, I, I think it's Deferis? really sweet and standard. I, I would definitely play this like a, a one or two of just a sweet planeswalker to follow up. I mean, I, I think it's powerful. Each player sacrifices two creatures, you know, that deals with the Carnage Tyrant, because you know how that always goes for me. And <laughs> it deals with Carnage Tyrant and, like, you know, the random token trying to protect it from an edict, right? Exactly. Get out of here, Atlanta War Elf and Carnage Tyrant. <laughs> and, like, it makes a body, like, it, it doesn't seem crazy or anything like that, but, like, that static ability also seems pretty sweet when, you know, you have, like, like if you're just on its own, right? It feeds into itself. I can make a two-two black zombie. I, I think it's sweet. Uh, I draw a card when that dies. Sure. I mean, if you cry the Carnarium, me then all right, whatever. 
Yeah, that that I, that static is good because normally you chump block to keep your planeswalker around, and then now it doesn't feel bad because you get to draw a card off that chump block. Right. The place I am kind of excited for it is is not so much as a control finisher, but using the static ability in some sort of like creaturey aristocrat style deck where you can really get a lot of value just having that sit out there. But the thing that gives me pause is just six mana is a lot for a deck like that. If you're playing like pitiless pontiffs and Judiths and stuff, I'm not sure if your deck's gonna have enough lands to consistently be casting Lilianas, but I really like her power level in a deck like that. You get a token you can sacrifice, you get some removal. If you ever ultimate it, you should be able to win the game, although they do get to keep their cartridge tyrant, which is kind of hilarious, <laughs> and beat you down with it. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I guess we'll see. I wish it was like five mana. If it was the same card at five mana, I'd be a lot more excited about it. What, what about like in like a mono black midrange, though? I mean, we have Cabal Stronghold, we have all this other stuff. Like, there's things that you can just do to ramp into this quite easily, too. I think the other thing is we have so many Planeswalkers that they're going to be battling each other to some extent, I think, for slots and decks, because we just have so many in this set that it might be that Lilian is fine, but there's just other Planeswalkers that maybe are better for specific decks. Yeah, uh, I forgot to mention Liliana's Mythic, and uh, there's a pattern here, which we'll see. Mythic... Planeswalkers have three abilities. Rare Planeswalkers have two, and Uncommon Planeswalkers have one. Uh, but before we get to the Uncommon Planeswalkers, we have another Mythic Planeswalker, Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge, four blue and a black Legendary Planeswalker Tezzeret, five starting loyalty, creatures and Planeswalker spells you cast have affinity for artifacts. Plus two, Tezzeret deals X damage to each opponent, where X is the number of artifacts you control, gain X life. Minus three, return target artifact from your graveyard to your hand. Minus eight, exile the top ten cards of your library, put all artifact cards from among them onto the battlefield. This is a six banner planeswalker I'm most excited for. I actually, we should also say this is uh, the buy a box promo for the set. So if you pick up a box uh, early, you can get one of these for free. But uh, yeah, I think that the giving everything uh, affinity, all your creatures and planeswalkers, I think that ability has potential to be really powerful. We had inspiring statuary that kind of did this in past standards and was used to great effect in uh, like combo decks with Etherflux Reservoir to like cheat out Bar. Brawls, the Brawl Sorcery spell that bounced three things. Mm -hmm. So we've seen similar similar effects be really good in standard and we still have lots of treasure tokens we have a ton of planeswalkers that care about artifacts with Karn uh, with uh, other Tezzerets with Dovin so I'm actually kind of excited to see what Tezzeret can do in standard the only drawback is the abilities themselves are kind of so-so none of the plus and minus abilities strike me as like incredibly broken I can see how the plus two can be really scary in like a spell swindle treasure token deck where maybe two activations might be able to kill your opponent but otherwise the abilities themselves are kind of medium i think power level wise but i think that the affinity part uh has some real potential in the right build i wish the minus on it put it into into play <laughs> it almost seems like that would be fine for negative three on a five loyalty six mana planeswalker right i that that would be super sweet but i i guess like that could lead to some annoying yeah. things okay blightsteel colossus huh <laughs> <laughs> i 
I think the problem is I'm mostly excited to play Tezzeret in decks that don't actually have many artifacts, like with spells that make treasures, with planeswalkers that make treasures, which means the negative three and also the negative eight actually don't have that much value with like the decks I'm envisioning playing Tezzeret in. So you're kind of playing it for the affinity in the plus two part if you're going like spell swindles and Karns and all that. The the last two abilities just don't do much in that style of deck, which is a little bit awkward. I mean, I, I'm see, I'm on the other side of that. I'm excited to try Antiquities War, see if it finally takes off. Ooh, that is that is still a thing, and Psy can make a lot of yep. uh, a lot of tokens that are artifacts. So maybe there's enough. I don't know if there's enough support artifacts. That's what I'm worried about. You get like Treasure Map, you get Azur's Gateway, maybe. But I feel like we could use some more cheaper support artifacts to support that style of deck and good artifacts too. We need we need good yeah. artifacts. Oh, yeah. We have, we have cheap artifacts, but most of them, like, you don't want to play Voltaic Construct or whatever from, for the most part. <laughs> One three. Here you go. <laughs> All right, Krim, are you ready? It's time. Are you sitting down? <laughs> yes. yes. It's I am. time because one broken Teferi is not enough. Have another one. We have Teferi Time Raveler. Yes. One white and a blue. Four starting loyalty. It's a rare. Each opponent can cast spells only anytime they could cast a sorcery. Plus one, until your next turn, you may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. Minus three, return up to one target artifact, creature, or enchantment to its owner's hand. Draw a card. I love it. I love this card. And it's three mana. This is like, this is beautiful. Like the minus three, like sure, I get to have a Teferi on one. I bounce something and then draw a card. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. And then like, I mean, I, I was humoring and like, you know, like joking around about it. Maybe, maybe I'll make a video for it when it comes out. But like, Isochron Scepter with silence and then this, like that's on curve, right? <laughs> like that, that's on curve, right? Like, and then turn, turn four, like, You'll never cast a spell again, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, this works this... with knowledge pool, right? It's a lock. Yeah, knowledge pool, possibility storm. Any of those are are a hard lock of spells from hands too. So there's definitely some cool janky lock stuff. I think the most competitive thing I see about this card is it feels like just a mirror baker uh, breaker and control matchups. Like if you play your Teferi, all of a sudden you don't have to worry about any of your opponent's counter spells for the rest of the game. You have free range to resolve your big Teferi, your Karn, whatever you feel like resolving. So I feel like we're going to see this a lot because Esper is so popular in Standard. Like, it seems very devastating in Control Mirrors to be the one that has Teferi down. Although, probably hilarious if both players have it and have to play it. It's a speed. <laughs> yeah, well, you tap out for Search for Escanta, your opponent's like, cool story, bro, Teferi. And then uh, two turns later, they bounce your Escanta and, like, it's over, right? Like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, even like, against like mid-range decks you're just like i play this and now all my rats are instant speed that, uh, oh gosh, that's I like disgusting wait. right uh oh, so kaya's oh. wrath at instant speed ah! <laughs> <laughs> i'm like dying emotionally from excitement like this is everything like and and because like before like much like you said you tap out on two first conta there's not really much you're worried about on turn three right like uh whatever but now i actually have to take into account well what if i get time revelered or ravelered and on top of that this makes it so you have to counter this because no longer like do i can i go like okay resolves kill it with contempt so yep. i i have to kill it on my turn which 
usually ends poorly for the control deck when they're tapping out. And then it like, especially if there's any other sweet four mana planeswalkers, or if I deploy this on turn four or something like that, and it's like, well, you kill this, then bigger Teferi comes down. You know, there's, there's just a Teferi party, which is what I, that is a party I want to be at, by the way. I want to host yeah. that party as much as possible. Teferi is upset. You only brought one Teferi deck to the Mythic Invitational, so he's back <laughs> with the vengeance. I he's had like, a, pick me, pick me. <laughs> I had a sideboard Teferi, so all my decks are Teferi. <laughs> my, I one one would say that I would never leave my house without his emergency <laughs> stash of Teferis. <laughs> all right, next up, uh, Teferi's friend from the Mythic Invitational is also a friend here, Kaya, Bane of the Dead. Uh, three hybrid. White black hybrid white black hybrid white black. So that's six CMC, seven starting loyalty. It's an uncommon planeswalker. So yes, we so have cool. uncommon planeswalkers in this set now. Uh, they all have one ability. They're all minus abilities, so there's no plussing on these uncommon planeswalkers. And they also have uh, the static ability. So Kaya's static is your opponents and permanents your opponents control with hexproof can be the target of spells and abilities you control uh, as though they didn't have hexproof. Yes. Minus three, exile target creature. Yes. So six mana, Carnage Tyrant, get out of here. Your abilities yes. mean nothing to Kaya, Bane of the Dead. Krim, did you make this card? <laughs> <laughs> I I handmade this card. Like this, this is just like, okay. Obviously to me, this is just Kaya, kill Carnage Tyrant. <laughs> like, like that's the only thing it reads as. Anything else is like, sure, whatever. But... Yeah, it's six mana. It's a lot of mana, but I am. Am I sideboarding this? Am I mad enough to sideboard? I thought about this in modern too. I was just like, okay, I know I will never get to resolve this in modern, but just imagine <laughs> running into the Bockles player and just like, hey, 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 hey. Yeah. we got survive for six turns against Bockles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, got him. Can... <laughs> uh, I think. Yeah, I mean. Oh. This is a tough one. I could see the upside of sniping Carnage Tyrant, but I wonder if, like, you already have, what, like, Consume, Concentrate, or Consecrate, cards like that that do similar things that are less mana. Is Kaya going to actually beat out the other options if the only thing you're really hating on is Carnage Tyrant? No, there's other things. There's, it, it has the minus ability, but it's able to Carnage Tyrant. <laughs> uh, maybe. Is, is Exile two creatures for six mana... And one okay. of them could be Tarn Garnet Siren. Like, Is that good enough? They're like Gruel Spellbreaker. You're like, haha, I have a Kaya. <laughs> I just kill it. Okay. Yeah? Get yeah. settled, son. <laughs> Wait, it only has Hexproof on their turn, though, I think. <laughs> well, it no, will no, never no, have it. the speed, kill the, <laughs> kill the Spellbreaker. It will never have it, then. That's perfect. All right. And All right. just attach Let's Kaya's ghost form. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's move on. We finally have the triumphant return of Tybalt, my friends. But given that we're talking about him fourth, it should tell you something about his power level. <laughs> Two in a red, so three CMC. Five starting loyalty. Uncommon. Legendary Planeswalker Tybalt. Your opponents can't gain life. Minus two, create a 1-1 one, one red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. So Seth, you were telling us that you were worried that Watsi might overdo it with Tybalt to make up for their past mistakes. Have they I done do that? Believe that? I also believe that though, so. <laughs> they, 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 they did not uh, overdo it. I think that Tybalt is better than the first Tybalt. I think that the static ability is 
relevant in certain matchups, but it's very much a, like, niche sideboard-type card that maybe in the right matchup, if you run into, like, the Johnny's Pride Mate deck, you're like, ha-ha, <laughs> I gotcha. But in general, I can't see many other decks really taking advantage of Tibble. Uh I, I see this potentially making some uh some appearances in best of one specifically if we were talking best of one i think this this could be playable as a singleton i i, I feel like it's not as good as tybalt because you can't accidentally loot tybalt to tybalt and like get a better card <laughs> like i don't yeah, know what the point of this i'd rather just play like the one mana one one that dies and pings something like why am i paying three mana for this for like two creatures over two turns and ah uh, like the skull crack oh. ability or whatever the not gaining life is is like is worth though right it's irrelevant it's definitely relevant in, is, is it relevant in not applying any pressure to your opponent who's trying it to gain life it does apply pressure though it applies the one one <laughs> <laughs> i i honestly don't know if you want to make a devil with this card like if you're sideboarding it in his life gain hate i almost feel like you just try to leave the loyalty as high as possible so it stays as long as possible and, th- and that's one of the things I really like about these uncommon planeswalkers is in the past, it is always correct to just activate your planeswalker. There's like no downside to just ticking up your planeswalker 99% of the time. With these uncommon planeswalkers, like Tybalt, there actually is this tension where you're like, okay, if I'm bringing this in to fight against a life gain deck, is it worth making a random 1-1 and losing two loyalty, making it more likely I'm going to lose like the static ability, which is why I'm playing the card in the first place. So I think these cards are way more interesting to play with than a lot of planeswalkers where you just always tick them up and that's how you play them every single time, every single turn of every single game. So I really like that aspect of all the uncommon planeswalkers. See, I, I see it as the uncommon planeswalkers are probably the strongest planeswalkers because they're always ulting. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, this Tibble, this Tibble's <laughs> alt of a one, one devil. Glass half oh, boy. Full, right. So. <laughs> uh, all right. Next up, we have. A new planeswalker? Who knows anything about lore? Do we know who Davriel, da- Davriel, Rogue Shadow Mage? Darth Vader. <laughs> yep. Looks like a Sith Lord cross a Predator. Yeah. Uh, we have two in a black, three starting loyalty. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if that player has one or fewer cards in hand, Davriel deals two damage to them. Minus one, target player discards a card. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I like it. No, it's nothing. it's cool. I think like I could see it being like a three mana Angrath, maybe where you can like attack, like sneak it in under counter magic and attack your control opponent's hand. There are some cards that were there's like Fell Spectre and Raiders Wake in standard that care about discarding. Maybe someone can build a weird like uh, Megram style deck in standard. I don't know. I think this is like a fun janky build around, but I don't know what like competitive applications it really has. I think this is like the perfect discard card so the the problem with discard is one like it's just a one for one like it's not doing much but two when you top deck them late they kind of suck when your opponent is hellbent and you get a thought seize you're like what do i do with this right and it cost me two life uh now you have the choice right if davriel is left unattended that's a three for one good luck right if you minus two twice and they have to remove it uh that's still a three for one Right. Uh, and yep. then the thing is, if your opponent has no cards in hand, you just do not minus and they take two damage. So it's like a, a little clock 
that that goes on and you know when they try to sit there and hold up counter magic or something you start discarding again so i actually feel like it's pretty good it's like a, a rack plus discard all in one and you get to choose what you want to do with it and it's only so three mana this, does this replace liliana in your jun deck richard no, heck no. <laughs> <laughs> but i could see sideboarding this in against control decks like one thing with all these uncommon planeswalkers is i think uh, kind of the control decks that we saw Krim play at the Mythic Invitational, I don't think you can play them anymore. I don't think with all these like random planeswalkers, you kind of need creatures to deal with them. And uh, you can only have so many Vraska's Contempts and you, you just cannot cover all of these things uh, unless they make a planeswalker sweeper or something like that, which we haven't seen yet. But, uh, you know, it feels bad to fire off a Vraska's Contempt against this thing. But if you don't, it's going to whittle your hand away to nothing. So what are you going to do? Like, you need to have some kind of beater to, like, attack in and kill it. I'm curious if Modern 8-Rack will play it. It's a little expensive, and it's basically a bad rack. The racks usually deal 3 damage, and Shrieking Affliction deals 3 damage, but you can protect it with Ensnaring Bridge, which those decks play anyway, so maybe just being an extra rack effect is worth it to play some number. Like, maybe you play a couple of these as, like, racks 9 and 10? Maybe. I could see that. I definitely could see that. All right, the last Planeswalker we want to talk about is the Wanderer. Three and a white five starting loyalty prevents all non-combat damage that would be dealt to you and other permanents you control minus two exile target creature with power four or greater love would it. you play this in your limited deck <laughs> yes why would you not maybe i don't know it's, it's double is removal that- yeah, I don't know. They have the destroy four greater things in almost every limited format, and they kind of depend on the format yeah. whether you actually want them or not. Like, this feels like the least powerful of all the planeswalkers we've talked about to me. I think the question is the lore part. Like, yeah. who is the wanderer? That's, that is why this card is of note, I think, is everyone speculating. Is it Elspeth? Is it, I heard some people saying Ugin. Uh, so everyone's trying to figure out who this character is. So do you have any thoughts on that aspect of it? Who do you think oh. it is, Krim? Elspeth. I think it's Elspeth. Seth? Uh, I don't think it's Elspeth. I want it to be Elspeth. I th- Sorry. <laughs> I think it. I think it's a a a character that we don't even know. Like, there's no. We're we're just making this into a story when it's not one. It's just random Kamigawa looking character. I think it's Ugin. So, so there, there's a couple. There's a couple options that are floating around, right? Uh, Elspeth, uh, Emeria, Emrakul. Uh, Ugin, this, the colors is reminiscent of, uh, Ugin, and Ugin is coming to kill Bolas here. Uh, Marl said it was us. We are the wanderer. Uh, cause we are planeswalkers. <laughs> We're unknown. Uh, but I like, I like the Ugin theory. Ugin's, uh, slyly showing up to take care of, uh, Bolas here. I don't think it's Elspeth. Do you think it's Elspeth? Elspeth would make tokens or something. I guess Elspeth does kill big creatures. I mean, I, I think it's more of like what I want. And like, I, th- I think I want it to be Elspeth, who I, who it actually is. I mean, that Ugin theory is pretty cool. Uh, I like that. So, I mean, I don't know. I'll, go, I'll yeah. go with that for the time being. But Yeah, what if Elspeth threw in, like, her Greek stuff and, like, decided to pick up the Asian lore or whatever here? and Down. Maybe this <laughs> could lead to, like, like some infused. kind of Kamigawa return, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I like the card. I actually like the card. I like the art. The art is amazing. I think it's going to be really cool to see bulk uncommon price planeswalkers. I don't think we've ever had, like, 10-cent planeswalkers before, and I think that's going to happen. 
Oh, do you think yeah. we'll see them as bulk? So, you know, after FNM or whatever, people like leave their piles of uncommons and stuff around for, for you to take. Do you think we'll see planeswalkers in there? Yeah, I think yeah. you will <laughs> definitely be able to get free wanderers at your local FNM <laughs> left, on, left over after a draft. I believe you won't see Tybalt, though. He's, he's too much of a meme. Too much, like, he's too much of a meme. People will just take too it valuable. Like, to collect Tybalt. <laughs> All right, let's talk about a new mechanic that we have. So one of the returning mechanics was proliferate. Uh, I don't think we have any proliferate cards today, uh, but a new mechanic is a mass, and it's on the card Dreadhorde Invasion, one in a black enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life and amass one. And amass means to put a plus one plus one counter on an army you control. If you don't control one, create a 0-0 black zombie army creature token first. Whenever a zombie token you control with power 6 or greater attacks, it gains lifelink until end of turn. So, uh, zombie, bitter blossom, that's not as good as bitter blossom. Zomber <laughs> blossom. Is, it's so, oh man, it's so hard for me to really break down this card. I keep hearing the bitter blossom comparison, but the fact that you only get one. one army and then it just like the first activation is great going from nothing to a one one. That's good. But then the next turn, you just like put a plus one plus one counter on your one one. That's not that exciting. I guess after a few turns when it gets to six power, it's good. Or if you can uh, like chump block and then replace your zombie using it defensively like that, that has a lot of potential. It's a really weird card to break down, though. So I. I actually have no clue how powerful this card's going to be. My gut is it's worse than people think immediately that are, like, jumping right on the Bitter Blossom train, but maybe worse than Bitter Blossom is still going to be pretty powerful in the right deck. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the same train with that. Like, I, I think the card is, like, fun. Uh, it looks... It's obviously not Bitter Blossom, but <laughs> I, I would definitely like to try this deck. And I'd like to try it. I, I really do want to see if there's like a mono black, or maybe you can just go blue black. Who knows? <laughs> like a mono black control deck or something, a mono black mid range deck that can use that too. Yeah, and the the question is, will we have other amass cards? Like I could see a control deck trying to use this to stabilize, uh, and then eventually. Uh, when their zombie is six power or more, they like smack you and then they gain a bunch of life and the game is over. The question is, can they jumpstart this somehow with like an amass three or a mass four spell such that it doesn't take a whole six turns of uninterrupted amassing to, to get a lifelinker out of this deal? But it's definitely not Bitter Blossom. It's not even close. It's more like weird Gideon, right? Like he pops out a 2-2 every turn. Uh, that's pretty much what he does until he decides to randomly rumble in for 5 damage, right? Yeah. I think the other part we maybe glossed over a bit is uh, there's a zombie sub-theme to the set. Like, uh, we, we're seeing red zombies. We're seeing a ton of different zombies. So it might be that that zombie text is more relevant than we think. Like, maybe zombie tribal will actually be a thing. We still have, like... Lily. Uh, M19, Liliana, we have Death Baron still in the format. Mm, so it's zombie token. So it has uh, to be a token zombie. So a mass or something that made a token. But you can pump yeah, it with I your Death Baron true. and things like that. Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe. Well, we'll see. It's definitely an interesting card, and I really like an index where you can sacrifice the token. Like, if you have out the new Liliana and you have a sack outlet, you just can sack the zombie token for free every turn to draw a card and replace it for yeah. free every t- So there's some cool, like, synergies that you can do with it. Uh, just, like, slamming it in your average deck, though, I kind of think you're going to end up disappointed because, because just, like, that plus one plus one counter doesn't excite me. Yeah, and I just want to say the the use of the word army here confuses me to no end. Like, why would you use this word that means something else? I'm like, does this mean each creature you control? I'm like, why is a single card an army? I'm like, I'm very confused why they had to use the word army. And I didn't understand what this card did for so long because of it. I, I really thought it was like all creatures you control or something. That's your army. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Here, Here's my favorite card so far. And don't worry, Seth, it's actually a broken card and not a filthy casual card. It's <laughs> Bolus's Citadel. <laughs> Three black, black, black. Legendary artifact. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may play the top card of your library. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than pay its mana cost. Tap, sacrifice 10 non-land permanents. Each opponent loses 10 life. This looks like a card that you'd see in the like the custom card creation Reddit, and everyone would be like, no, there's no way they could actually print that. Like, <laughs> This card seems like it has potential to be so broken. It's ad nauseum. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, so it's ad nauseum I mean, until, you, until you do the experimental frenzy thing where you hit like two lands in a row. Then you're screwed. Right? So that's the difference. But... You just get to play spells off the top. Now, is there some janky deck, Seth, where I have nothing but, like, zero cast mana rocks or something and I can just go through my entire deck and win? In older formats, there are there are ways you can do it. Like, Modern and Legacy, and then even, like, Vintage, you can tinker it out, which offers a lot of potential, and you have Moxin and stuff. In Standard, you gotta play it a little bit fairly. You can, like, treasure map scry to get a land to the bottom. A lot of the same tricks you'd use with Experimental Frenzy, actually, if you go all in on an Experimental Frenzy deck. So I think there are in older formats. In Standard, though, I think it's more... Like, you can build a life gain combo deck. It oddly cares about a lot of the same things as Lich's Mastery. Like, you could play these two together to some extent, maybe. So I think it's powerful, but... uh I don't know. I'm more excited about it for older formats. If there's one thing we know, it's that free spells tend to be broken in one way or another, and this just literally lets you play the top of your deck for cheaper Phyrexian mana. You're paying one life for each mana, essentially, instead of two life, so... (laughs) We'll make all your cards be Phyrexian mana. Don't worry. (laughs) Nothing can go wrong here. (laughs) Someone is going to break this card. I don't think it'll break standard, but someone somewhere is going to be making a crazy combo deck with Bolus is citadel in like vintage or legacy or maybe even modern oh, well i'm gonna pay i'm gonna play a galta off of this thing just to show you Seth. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what oh, do you think about it? life galta <laughs> what do you think about it for commander mm, i like it depends man. i don't know if you can build this this seems like a combo-y card can you build a 99 card deck that still accomplishes this like can, you can string together enough cheap spells for a 60-card deck, right? But now at 99, can you do it? Maybe you don't I even mean, need to. I you're black, so you can just play, like, 10 tutors to find it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll see this in Commander. Now, whether it's good or not, uh, but, you know, we've seen Seth pay, like, 35 life to Necro or something. Like, I'm sure he would <laughs> happily do this. Like, why not, I, right? 
I think so far the most obvious combo that people have been talking about is uh, if you have Bolas' Citadel and you have Sensei's Divining Top, you can essentially just draw your entire deck by continually putting Top back on top of your deck. And if you throw in, like, Aetherflux Reservoir, it also, like, mm. e- uh, gains you back all the life you're losing and eventually just lets you kill the entire table. So, uh, does it work in Modern or Legacy, because top is banned, but in Commander, that's a three-card I-win-the-game combo, essentially. Well, I'm building Rakdos Kobolds, where I can cast all my Kobolds <laughs> for free, Kobolds. Seth. <laughs> my zero mana, zero ones. We'll show you... You cast it for free anyway. I think that defeats the. <laughs> the no, but you get to draw, and then the last card will be a nauseum, and I'll show you all. <laughs> if you could find a way to, uh, if find a way to get it on the battlefield and have all zero mana cards in your deck, it would be pretty insane. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you got to play some lands, though. I don't think there's a way you can play literally, like, zero lands. No, you know the white card? The Endless... Was it Endless Horizons or something? The one that Ooh, exiles yeah. all the card, all the lands out of your deck. There's also, like, Selective Memory and yep. a couple of weird blue cards that let you exile basically what you want out of your deck. So or I or think you just Surgical yourself. Can you Surgical land? No, you can't. Not basic, oh, but you can no, you Surgical can't. non-basics, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sad, sad face. <laughs> Funny that you say that. There's something I was thinking about with that card, but for another spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next, we have Angrath's Rampage. Black and a red sorcery. Choose one. Target player sacrifices an artifact. Target player sacrifices a creature. Target player sacrifices a planeswalker. I think that's, that's really good. Really good. I think that card's yeah. really good. This is our. This is our artifact removal slash creature removal slash planeswalker removal at sorcery speed for two mana but the opponent gets to choose is this modern playable jeez man maybe maybe (sighs) getting rid of plane like so you should always get rid of basically the planeswalker you want to because it's pretty rare there's two planeswalkers on the battlefield so that mode is pretty much dreadbore like in a huge percentage of the cases the other two modes like against affinity or hardened scales you're gonna get like an ornithopter or something <laughs> if you choose artifact which is a little bit sad creature really matchup dependent like sometimes it's gonna be insane and you get a huge death shadow other matchups you're gonna get a one one token Oh, it's close. I think it's close, but I'm not sure it's good enough. It's also sweet to have, like, against a Boggles deck. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. <laughs> Would you rather just do Kaya, Krim, at six mana? Than- <laughs> I, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't know what I'm talking about. Why would I have this? <laughs> yeah, I don't I know how it's... good this is. I think the choice really kills you most of the time. Like, I think you actually need to target. And I feel like the combination of Dreadbore and Coligan's Command usually gets you what you want in these colors. And not being instant speed hurts, but, you know, you can imagine someone's, like, ensnaring bridge, and you're like, yes, this is what I wanted. But then they have, like, all these lanterns and other junk sitting around, right? And you can't remove it. Or they play Lawnmower Elf into Thrun or something, and you're like, um, this doesn't help me, right? Or Lawnmower Elf into Steel Leaf Champion or something. Like, this doesn't help you, right? So I don't, I actually don't know. It looks sweet on the surface, but... We can do all of this stuff anyway with Dreadbore and Coligan's Command. I think, though, in Standard, I think it's very different. I think this is really good in Standard, and I think this is probably, like, staple in Best of One Standard. Yep. 
anything with modes, I think, will always just be a staple and best of one. Because, I mean, really, like, this is, uh, like, you randomly get got by the Immortal Sun or something, and just, <laughs> even if you're choosing Artifact uh, 10% of the time, just having the an Artifact Destruction spell in your deck is such a huge deal in a best of one style format. So I feel like the value goes way, way up in best of one, and it even goes up quite a bit in normal stand, best of three standard compared to older formats. All right. Uh, next, we have Dovin's Veto, white yes. and a blue instant. This spell can't be countered. Counter target non-creature spell. Love it. Straight up negate. <laughs> That's Azorius. That cannot be countered. Krim, do you... So here's the thing. You would love to cast this spell, but it also means your opponents can cast this spell. So Correct. is this a net good or a net bad for you? Well, you know, we're just going to hope that uh, they don't have any. It's as simple as that. Thought <laughs> erasure has never been more important after looking at this card, right? In the control mirrors. And now it's like, okay, well, cool. I'm just going to thought erasure, take all your other cheap stuff, and then counter the actual threat the to fairy or something like that and know that it resolves uh like like this the counter spell resolves that is also the art is just cool and i love the flavor text i i mean this card is just sweet all around and i i i know that it can get casted on me and it, but it's a little bit like to fairy to fairy can get casted on me too but i still enjoy that card and whenever it happens i'm like nice that's a sweet to fairy even though i'm losing and they're like drowning in card advantage and all this other stuff I think it's also pretty exciting for Modern. We see a lot of the blue-white control decks in Modern actually playing main neck negates anyway, and this seems like just a super easy upgrade. Like, your mana situation's fine, like, you can cast this pretty easily. Uh, so I feel like we're gonna see this show up in a lot of Modern decks as well, and it, uh, allows you to get by some sneaky stuff, like those stubborn denials against Death Shadow, and a lot of decks in Modern, since your mana's so insane, you can splash blue to play sideboard counter spells or stubborn denial in the main deck, and I feel like having an uncounterable negate's actually pretty helpful for certain decks in Modern. Yeah. Yep. The, the mana cost isn't nothing, though, right? Because uh, you're playing Field of Ruins. If you're trying to snap cast through this thing, that's blue, blue, white. Uh, so it actually, there is a point to this. Uh, but I'm excited to see Krim roll up with, like, an Infinity Gauntlet uh, <laughs> altar of this thing. Like, this, this, this screams to be done with that hand there. Uh, he's even, like, the right color and everything. Like, oh, It's beautiful. It's perfect. Or, or it yeah. could be Thanos with Doctor Strange's cloak over him. <laughs> Ooh. The, the possibilities are endless. They uh, are. All right. Last card. <clears throat> last card, which I need to pull up. And I don't know how to spell it, so hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. As I stall. I think I know what card this is. Wait, why come I can't find it? Hold on. FB. FB, Richard. FB. Here we go. I found it. I found I was searching FL. Okay. Now, flip the lost. I remember you asked on Twitter, how do you actually pronounce it, Seth? Oh, now I have to go back to my Twitter. Many people told me. I'm reading as Fibblethep. 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 Fibblethep seemed to be... Fibblethip, yeah. Fibblethip the Lost. One in the blue, one one, legendary creature homunculus. When Fibblethip the Lost enters a battlefield, <laughs> draw a card. If it entered from your library or was cast from your library, draw two cards instead. When Fibblethip becomes the target of a spell, shuffle <laughs> Fibblethip into its owner's 
library. Never so I th- did. That's really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think people think this is a meme card. This is card, a meme, but, but it's actually really good. This is really actually good. like a really strong card. It's I, I, just on level one, it's a blue Elvish Visionary, which Elvish Visionary is a very playable magic card. So just on that alone, and then that doesn't even include like uh, using Vanifar or whatever to tutor this out, draw two cards, uh, Cortical and Collected Company. There's a bunch of ways you can get even more value out of it. So I think this card's actually going to see a reasonable amount of play. In standard? Uh, in certain decks, I think if you're playing uh, Vanifar, that this is just like a staple auto-include in your two-drop slot. Uh, it's so good in that deck. And then I think, I don't know what other decks you put it in. It's a little awkward for like Mono Blue since you can't put a Curious Obsession on it or it goes in your library, which isn't <laughs> ideal. Uh, but so I don't know what other decks would exactly fit it, but there's certainly been uh, Elvish Visionaries played in non-elf decks in standard in the past. So I think if the right develop, uh, deck develops, it has a chance. I think plus it's Panharmonicon. I, I <laughs> plus think Panharmonicon, of course. <laughs> I think control decks might actually play this because I feel like that one one is actually relevant. It means like one less activation of your uncommon planeswalker or something. So just a way to cantrip and then just have like some weird attacking creature. And I don't know. I, I just want to live the dream and like collect a company this thing out. Like <laughs> just just collect a company like multiple. <laughs> like they yeah, they legendary rule of cells, but you get to draw so many cards. <laughs> Yeah, someone said tooth and nail. Like, really, you're gonna, you're gonna nine mana tooth and nail to get a get one of these to draw two cards. Yes, yep. that doesn't it. That would. Oh that my gosh, that's, the, that's yes. the ultimate flex. <laughs> that's the ultimate. Seth, flex. How much do you really like drawing cards? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess not enough. Apparently, not enough. To, not enough to tooth and nail. <laughs> all right, uh, that's all spoilers we want to talk about so there are a ton of spoilers we went over just a fraction of them so if you want to see the rest of them there are many more rares and mythics we didn't talk about many more uncommon planeswalkers we didn't talk about so you can check them out at mtgpreviews.com and that brings you to the goldfish spoiler page oh man so are are we going to fish mail today are we just gonna hold over until next week because we've been going so long where are we at fish mail Uh, we'll we'll hold over because a lot of them are talking about the mythic invitational in the trailer anyway uh so we've been going long so let's let's do it next week okay so hopefully we might have accidentally answered some of your questions if they were about new cards about the invitational about the trailer uh, otherwise we still have your questions we will get to them next week for fish mail since we've already done a double cast this week yet full two hours of mtg goldfish podcast to listen to so uh anyway on the way out the door richard Krim. Thanks for hanging out. It's always fun. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. Check about spikesacademy.com. 10% off with the cold goldfish. So, uh, this is episode 218 of the Goldfish Podcast. If you missed it, we posted 217 talking about the Mythic Invitational today as well. So check that one out too. Anyway. That's all for this week. We'll be back next week. Tons of more spoilers to talk about and whatever else happens in the world of magic. So until then, this is the crew signing out. 